Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward. Each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money-saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations worldwide. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, I am speaking with co-founder of Besame Cosmetics, Gabriela Hernandez. And I wanted to have her on the show because A, she co-founded Besame Cosmetics, which are amazing retro vintage cosmetics that a lot of us love. And B, because she's also an instructor and I thought she would have some great tips for people who want to do a retro look for their wedding makeup or maybe just want to incorporate a slight nod to a retro look without doing a full-on costume effect. So she's going to share all these kinds of tips and tricks with us today. So welcome, Gabriela. Hi, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I'm really excited to talk to you because I have loved Besame Cosmetics since you invented them, basically. <laughs> um, not only for the beautiful vintage packaging, but of course, the wonderful new vintage formulations. And I'm just curious to know what inspired you to create the cosmetics line. Well, my, my background is in design and in photography and mostly arts in the arts. What I liked about the cosmetics that I inherited like from my grandmother and, and antiques that I have from my family or antiques that I've, I've purchased is uh, the styling and the character that these pieces have. That's kind of what attracted me to take those those types of designs and bring them maybe into the future or maybe bring them into something that you could uh, wear today but had the feeling and the aesthetic of something from the past and that's really what I wanted to do with it. That's really cool. So then how did you go about launching your own cosmetics line because that seems like a really huge undertaking. When I started the line, I had my design studio uh, going, my, my design business, uh, because I'm a graphic artist as well. So I, I had my design business uh, going, and I started with just a smaller lipsticks in 2004, and it was really never intended to be a full line of anything. I, I kind of just made those just to you know see what would happen and put something out that I thought was kind of interesting. You know, I put it on the internet, on, on just our website uh, that we made up, and people caught on to it. And it just, they passed it along to other people, and it kind of developed from there. But uh, it wasn't really my intention to launch a full line at that time. It was really something I was doing on the side just for my own design purposes, and because I, I saw it as kind of an arts project for myself. But it was never really intended to be a full line. So yeah, it kind of, because of the way that it got accepted by the public, it kind of developed into that. But uh, I really didn't intend on doing that at the beginning. Well, that's interesting. And it really has been accepted by the public and taken off in movies and TV. I think pretty much any time you see a vintage look on movies or TV, it seems like it's almost always Besame. 
Yes, we've done a lot of uh, because the makeup people that that really do Hollywood, the ones that really are in charge of doing the films and the TV shows and the specials and the you know the mini series, uh, these kinds of really really um, talented people that do these these period pieces. They know about us and they've known about us for a long time. Uh, they use our company as a resource for the correct colors and the correct styles and things. So they know when they get products from us that they don't have to mix them. They know the color is correct for the period that they're doing. So we've been, you know, friends with those people for many, many years. So really, whenever you see any kind of period, anything, we probably have something to do with it. We just never get credit for it because we're not involved with the production of these particular movies, but we are involved with the makeup people in these movies. Uh, and sometimes even with the prop people because we provide pieces that are used as props in vintage sets, like we did with the artists, which all of the props that you see on the vanity in the artists are mostly our products. So it's kind of fun to see them on the screen. That's wonderful. So now, in addition to being a graphic artist and the creator of this line, you're also a cosmetic historian. And I was wondering if you could give my listeners some background on the popular makeup looks for weddings in the decades that your line covers. So that would be the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, and the 50s. The styles change quite quite a bit from those decades because the makeup looks were changing because if you look at historically what's happening with makeup in the 20s is when we really be, began to produce any kind of products in the United States and as production became more efficient and more products started to come into the market more demand for products as as cosmetics were acceptable to wear for women on a daily basis which they were not in the beginning of that decade, you see different uh, trends uh, transpiring as people accept different products. So the, there is a lot of variance when, when you look at different decades, uh, like from the 20s to the 30s and from the 30s to the 40s. Interesting. And you were mentioning that like at the beginning, at the 20s, wearing makeup just wasn't done as much for weddings did you wear more makeup when you were getting married in those days? Or was it, would that make you look less youthful and virginal and bridal? Did people wear less makeup for their weddings? Did it evolve so that by the 50s people were doing cat eyes? Or what was the makeup trend? Yeah, the, the, the 20s you, you wouldn't have seen makeup really worn heavily for, for weddings unless the bride was more risque. Hmm. And if she was, then you saw some people wearing really high, uh, like thigh length dresses with a transparent kind of top layer on top, uh, but uh, the bottom layer was uh, shorter thigh length. Uh, and those people might have worn makeup because they were de definitely more of a risque type person. But if you uh, look at more traditional gowns of the period, makeup wasn't necessarily worn uh, th that much. If they would have worn anything, it probably would have been maybe some pencil on their uh, brows and maybe some rouge on the cheeks to, to get a little bit of a flush, maybe a, a bit of rouge, a tiny bit on the lips, but, but nothing dramatic uh, at that particular time if you were more of a girl-next-door type of woman. 
Interesting. And so then in the 30s, when this sort of glamour came in because of the exposure to all the Hollywood stars and everything, was makeup then more accepted at weddings or was it still pretty simple? I think it was more accepted the whole in the 30s because you had, you had products that were starting to be sold through these actresses to the public. Again, you didn't have a lot of products available in the 30s. You're talking maybe five things that people might have worn. Um, the cake mascara was around at that particular time, which was used on lashes to darken lashes. You had pencils that would use on eyebrows and on, on the top of the eye. It wasn't extended outside the eye, just on the top lid of the eye. You had some shadow colors, soft shadows, nothing too dramatic unless, unless it matched your gown. Usually when they wore shadows, they were single shade shadows. So they had greens and blues and browns. And usually they would match your outfit, you know, so you would wear one shade. For a wedding, you probably would use a very neutral shade of like a light brown or something like that to do a crease or do a, a shading around the eye. And, and then you would wear your, uh, your rouge, your blush, and your lip color. And at that time, a lot of red was used. Uh, so you, you would have used a red color lip if you were wearing makeup. But it was definitely more accepted in the 30s, uh, especially if you look at the later part of the 30s, like 1938, 39. At that particular time, makeup was definitely more acceptable. Uh, this is when you know pancake makeup was developed and, and then subsequently was sold to the consumer a few years after that. So, so makeup was definitely more acceptable at that particular time. So guys could have worn really a little bit of makeup or a little bit more makeup, depending on, again, on the preference of the woman. Interesting. And so then you would think that maybe by the 40s, people would be wearing more makeup, but with the war and rationing, did people maybe shy away from that and, and dial back the makeup? Because sometimes you would get married, you know, your sweetheart was on a three-day furlough from the army and you were getting married in a suit at City Hall. Did that have an effect on what the makeup styles were like? Definitely. I mean, the only thing that was still available during that period of time was lipstick because, you know, even though they tried to ration that particular product, they, they just saw that it was so bad for morale, they had to bring it back. Interesting. So lipstick was still being produced. And that would be something that probably every woman was wearing at that particular time. Uh, I think they even thought it was their duty to be wearing it. Um, uh, they even had shades like Victory Red and that would be um, very pro-America uh, and very patriotic. Like they even had Patriot Red and things like that. You needed to wear lipstick because it was, it was morale boosting to see women wearing lipstick. So I think most women at that point were wearing different shades of reds, lighter reds, darker reds, binker reds. Uh, so it depends on really the color of the woman's hair. But lipstick probably was a must. Most women wore some kind of powder and some kind of rouge in the, on the cheeks. Whether they wore uh, mascara or liner or pencil, those were all kinds of optional items. Not everybody wore these products because they were more cumbersome to apply and you had to have a, certain, a little bit more skill in using it. So some people did not use eye products at the time, but they definitely did use their powder in their, uh, in their lip color. Interesting. And so then in the 50s, after the war, you have Dior's new look influencing fashion. Did makeup then also become more commonly worn, especially eye makeup? 
Yes, in the, in the 50s, you definitely have your uh, very defined brows that had to be groomed and, and, you know, they were usually filled in with pencils and other products. You had mascaras, you had eyeliners, liquid liners that were used to do these long, elongated eye looks. You had different shades of, of makeup, so bridles. Bridal looks, uh, you know, had more pinks and softer colors because at that point we already had, you know, different shades of, of colors available. So pinks and deeper pinks came in, peach colors, things like that. So depending on the bride, you would have your rosy cheeks and your either pancake foundation or other kinds of uh, foundation and uh, your lip color, your eye makeup. So at that point, you you know, women had a lot more in their arsenal of makeup to wear, and and they definitely wore it because it was a kind of a boon period in the country. So there was a lot of um, expenditures in looking your best. So women had their hair done and their makeup done and things like that. They that now women don't necessarily do all the time, but back then. They, they did. They had their hair done every week, and they had their grooming done all the time. So they definitely would have some kind of makeup look for uh, weddings in the 50s. And, and the dresses were very feminine and flirty, a lot of laciness, uh, you know, around the, the tops. And they're very girly, pretty kind of dresses in that period of time. So I think definitely that makeup look is still very popular today. I think a lot of people do 50s nowadays. Oh, definitely. I mean, what with Princess Kate wearing a Grace Kelly inspired gown just a couple of years ago for her wedding, I think it's, yeah, definitely very popular still. And so if a modern bride does want to incorporate a vintage feel in her makeup without going too costumey, what are some ways she can do that? I don't think if you do a vintage feel of any of the periods, you're going to look costumey because they really didn't look that way in real life. I mean, uh, the, the thing is that we're used to seeing interpretations that are not necessarily historically accurate, and people think that makeup in those periods look like that when you see like a, like a pin-up look, you know, nowadays. Uh, you think that this is how they did makeup back then, but this is not necessarily so. So I think you could take any of these periods and do a, a takeoff on whatever period you want to do and not really have overdone makeup or costumey makeup of any kind uh, because it simply wasn't that way in, in real life. Most of these looks were natural-looking uh, looks. They, they, the, the women in these periods did not go out thinking that they looked costumey. You know, they, they, they thought they looked normal. And they did, you know. I think that the problem is a lot of times we get used to seeing these interpretations in, in costumes or in, in other pictures of other people trying to do these looks that are a bit heavier-handed. So you think that this is kind of accurate to the period, but it, it definitely was not. Makeup wasn't used that, that much or, or that heavily, uh, only by certain people, but not by the majority. That's interesting. So we're looking at pictures of Liz Taylor or Sophia Loren, and they have these winged cat eyes and the bright red lips and everything, but they were actresses, you know, normal everyday women, you're saying, were not wearing that much makeup. No, no, no. They were actresses, and they were doing it for that specific part. And also, if you see those pictures, they're, they're a little bit later on, too, that they're wearing these really 
intricate eye makeups because Elizabeth Taylor during the, the 50s had a very pretty makeup look. She always had thicker brows and more defined brows, but I don't think her makeup was really overdone uh, necessarily. Like if you look at her and like Cat on a Hot Roof or any of these films, I don't think her makeup was necessarily costumey. Interesting. So then what are some good resources for finding photos of vintage makeup looks that are accurate? Well, you can look at actresses from the period and look at their photos from when they got married. And then you can kind of see what they did. Uh, if anybody would be wearing makeup, it would be them because regular folks would probably not. But if you take like somebody like Mary Pickford, uh, which, you know, in the 20s, she was a huge deal. You know, she was a very, very popular actress. Um, if you look at her wedding photo, she, does, she looks pretty angelic. She doesn't look overdone in, in any way, shape, or form, actually. And she's definitely wearing makeup in that photo. It's really up to your interpretation of, of that period. But I think in any period you could take, um, you, you have to go with, a, with the softer hand instead of a heavier hand because there are subtle differences depending on which periods you do. And a lot of them have to do with the shape of the eyes or the shape of the lip. You know, so you can kind of vary that depending on which period you want to do. Their um, the lips were smaller in the twenties. They got progressively larger as you went into the thirties and the forties and the fifties. They got fuller, bigger. So depending on what era you want to do, you might choose that lip shape to represent the era and leave the rest of your makeup rather, you know, soft. So you can kind of pick something like that, and that would be more distinctive of the era. The same with the brows. The brows are uh, something very significant that changes the way it looks from the 20s into the 30s, 40s, and 50s. It starts out very, very thin and very, very round, and then it starts to get a little thicker, a little straighter, a little bit more angled and fuller as it gets into the 50s. So you can pick up on that if you like. Uh, you know, if you do a heavier, heavier brow, you're going to go more into that 50s type of look. If, if they're very soft and wispy and rounded, you're going more into that 30s type of, of look. Okay. So, and I would love to have you tell us about, like, how to recreate each period's look, but since we don't have enough time for that, what if we just took one look? Like, uh, right now, it's very popular to have a wedding that's themed this sort of old Hollywood glam 1930s movie star look. If you decided that was the theme and that was what you were going for with your makeup, what are some tips for achieving that look? If you're doing the, the 30s, the brows are really important. The brows are not too heavy. If your brows are naturally very thick, kind of like a Brooke Shields type of thing, I wouldn't recommend this particular era for you because they just simply didn't look like that. And it's very hard to get this kind of look if your brows are not thinner and rounded looking. So you kind of have to be realistic if you want to tweeze them that way, that's kind of up to you. But I don't recommend it if you really have a lot of weight on your on the brows that you you know you make them that small just for that event. But the brows definitely in this period of time were rather thin and and definitely 
uh, rounded and elongated on the sides. So they were a little longer. They were pulled longer. They don't necessarily have to be pencil thin, but they were definitely on the thinner side. The rouge is basically kind of in the middle of the cheek. So it didn't actually go to the side of the temples. It stayed kind of in the in the middle of the cheek, kind of on the apple of the cheek. And it was usually pink, pinker shades, uh, soft pinks. The shadow, again, was the, probably a single shade. You could use one kind of like a pearl-type shade to do the, uh, the whole eye, uh, including underneath the brow, and, and then use a, a, a very soft brown to do a bit of a crease in there and just bring that brown underneath a little bit. Another key to this, this look is very soft and very long lashes. Uh, so if your lashes don't naturally look like that, choose false lashes that have a really wispy, kind of really light look to them, very soft and very light, because that's the look of that particular period. They were very long, but they weren't necessarily this thick black type of lash. They were a lot softer, uh, wispier type of lash. So th those definitely do that um, 30s type of eye. And then on the lips, uh, you could choose really any red that suits your complexion. If you have more olive and uh, skin or skin that has a bit more yellow in it, you want to choose a red that has a warm, warmer undertone. So anything like a rust color, if you want to go with a darker shade of red or or if you want a brighter shade of red, something that has a little tiny bit of yellow in it, so a little warmer red instead of a really cool one, uh, that would suit your skin better if you have yellow in, in your undertone or you have olive uh, skin. If you're very pale or your skin has a lot of pink in it, you see a lot of pink in your, in your face, you want to choose a red that's cooler. So you want to choose more of a, a red that has more blue in it. So not, not anything that has orange or yellow in it. If you see orange, you want to stay away from that. You want to go toward the colors that are on the pinker end of red. So you want red that has blue, blue base to it. And you can do that as a light color with a red that's really bright, bright red, but cool. And the dark end, you could do something like a cherry red, which is a, a berry type of color, like a ripe cherry, which is also a cool red, but it's deep. Uh, so it depends on what you want to do. You can go either way on the color of the lip. But that's about all. And then a nice powder base or a base, uh, whatever base you're comfortable with so that your skin will be, you know, even because for the photographs, you want your skin to be even and you don't want too much shine because then it doesn't photograph as well. So you want something that's even and fairly matte. Okay, because that was one of my other questions is, what are some tips for looking your best in photographs? Because some people say, well, don't wear powder because it reflects back at the camera and you get this like moon face. So what are some tips there? Well, you have to choose the right powder. Uh, you want a powder that uh, usually those powders will say HD, uh, that don't have titanium in them. Those are the powders that will not reflect back at you. That's the reason that they're uh, made like that. They're usually made of mostly zinc, so they don't reflect back when light is, is, hits them. 
So you want one of those powders to matte out your makeup. Um, if you're using a base that's already matte, you don't necessarily need the powder. You can just use a nice base um, that will give you a matte finish and, and you don't need to powder over the top of that. I would keep the shine to a minimum as far as the eyes go. You don't want too much glittery type shadows. You want the shadows to be soft. Um, and if they have any kind of shimmer, it has to be really soft. You, you don't want anything that is too glaring because it will not photograph as well. So um, more matte colors or very soft kind of uh, shimmer on a shadow work the best. Um, and, uh, and also remember that the camera and the flash take away a lot of the color. It washes out a lot of the color so sometimes you have to put a little bit more color let's say on your cheeks or on your eyes than you're used to because it when it photographs it looks more normal in person it's going to look like you're wearing a lot of makeup but in the photos it won't look that way and that's partly what the flash does it kind of like takes takes away some of the saturation of the color that you're wearing so always be aware that you want to be a little bit bolder with your eye makeup and also with your uh, blush because it tends to wipe out kind of the blush uh, when, when you hit that flash and, and, and they do it, uh, you know, in an area that's darker. Interesting. And then do you have any tips for making your wedding day makeup last longer? Yes. Uh, on, on your lips, definitely you want to apply that lipstick in, in several coats. So you want to you give it a base. So let's say you, when you put it on your foundation, uh, your foundation should really go over the lip area so that the lipstick really has something to stick to when you put it on. Then use a pencil to really make the edge really sharp and fill it in with that pencil a little bit uh, so that you have, again, one layer of color on there. Then with a brush, apply your lip color, then blot it, and then apply it once again. And then if you don't want any shine, blot it one more time. Uh, this way the, the lipstick will really stay put for the longest period of time. Make sure you have some blotting tissues or some tissues that can absorb extra oil so that you can kind of pat, pat that down before you take photos so that you're not shiny anywhere. The other thing that you can use, I mean, this is not something you would use on a daily basis, but I use it for special occasions. There are some setting sprays for makeup that are basically kind of like a hairspray but that you can use on your face and then you spritz this on and it basically kind of sets the makeup so it doesn't let it move around and that's something that you can use to kind of keep it there for a longer period of time uh, and it does work rather well. Also when you're eating you know uh, make sure that you don't need you know something that's really greasy like a lot of you know oils because it will take out your lip color and then you're going to have to retouch it so try to to keep away from any kind of heavy salad dressings or things that are going to you know wreck your lipstick if you want it to last longer obviously you can retouch it after you eat um, but make sure that your lips are totally dry before you try to apply more lipstick on there that's good stuff and then I was curious if there are any old-fashioned makeup tricks that we should be reviving today. Well, I think uh, some of the makeup things that they used to do that that we don't do anymore that would be nice is they used to use the cake mascara for a lot of different things. Now we use a bunch of products to 
kind of do the same thing. But um, cake mascara used to be used for your eyebrows and, and your eyeliner and your mascara. So you have one product that you use for everything, and it kind of cut down on having all these other things that you needed to do. And plus, it washes out rather easily, so it's not you don't get like ring around the eyes at the end of the day. So it's an easy product to wear, like on a daily basis, if you wanted to. It's very gentle. So that that product, you know, I wish more people would use something like that instead of using, um, you know, harsher type of liners uh, in the eyes, like all these kind of waterproof liners and things like that are really harsh on the eyes when you try to remove them because they don't come off very easily. So you end up scrubbing the eye area and, and that's not very good to keep wrinkles from forming there. So um, if you can avoid it, try water-based type products instead of oil-based ones because they do wash off. Obviously, if you need the other ones because you have issues with it, you know, running or you need it to be waterproof because of the wetting, then you have to use these products. But for daily wear, I recommend something softer, you know, something easier. Also, rouge. They used to use rouge for a lot of uh, uh, purposes, like they use, used it on their lips and they used it on their cheeks. And it was kind of an easy product to just put on. And you didn't need that many things. So that's what I wish we would get back to, like the routine of maybe having five things and that's it, you know. That's all you needed, just five five things. Everybody looked great and they didn't have to use so many things. And I think their skin was better because of the fact that they didn't use that many things. Also, they took care of it. I think a lot more than we do because they really made sure that they took everything off in the evening. They, they, they had a um, cold creams that they use or cleansing creams that would remove the makeup, but also moisturize the skin. Uh, and they wash it with a, with a cloth, you know, that it was uh, dipped in warm water. So you got the, the cream off and the makeup off, but you didn't strip the skin, which that was a very clever thing to do. They use toners to set it, like a rose water toners or things, or witch hazel, things like that, which, which are great antiseptic type things, so that if you are going to get breakouts, these things stop those things from happening because they kill the bacteria. So they were doing a lot of things that really make a lot of sense now because we know all these things about how pimples form and how problems erupt in the skin. I don't know if they knew everything about that, but they definitely were doing things that make a lot of sense. And then they had the night creams or creams that they would put on and then they would wake up with the skin very nice and supple and moisturized. So, you know, a lot of some of those things I wish that girls would uh, would take up doing. It's easy. It creates a, a really good routine and schedule to keep your, your skin and your face looking nice for a long period of time. That's important, especially I know a lot of women start a regimen when they are getting married, you know, a couple months before or six months before they know that they would need to take better care of their skin. So those are really interesting points. Yeah, you don't want to start then to start taking care of your skin. I, I've had a lot of brides tell me the same thing. And it's, it's, it's very hard to get the skin into shape in that amount of time if you didn't do it before, <laughs> because it doesn't. It's not like a rubber band. It doesn't snap back on there like, like that. You know, it takes some time uh, for things to work correctly, especially to kind of adapt to a new routine if you're changing what you're doing, you know. 
So I, I think the younger that you start doing it, the better off you are because these kinds of uh, routines will will make your skin look look better for a lot longer than if you start in you know when you're 25 uh, to do this. If you start when you're really young, then you know you don't have to worry about it when you're 25. Your skin will still look look great. So I I think the sooner we start with that kind of thing, the better. And also, you know, again, less is more on the makeup. People didn't use that many products, and I don't think uh, it's uh, very smart for girls to use that many products. I, I think at a certain point it ages you. It makes you look older than you actually are. And I, I don't think you want to look older, or at a certain point in time you don't want to look older anymore. I, I think going back to the simplicity of using less products in, in, in more ways, but really making grooming uh, your priority is really where we should be. Uh, because if you have your hair nicely done, you know, if you brush it nicely and you have a cut nicely and, and washed and it looks nice uh, um, and your eyebrows are nice, you know, you keep them trimmed and you, you, you have your, you know, your grooming nice, you don't really need that much makeup because, because you have those basics taken care of. I mean, if you can see, like, if you can put a lot of makeup on, but if your hair doesn't look right, it doesn't actually work. You know, your look is off, you know? It, your hair has a lot to do with how your makeup looks and your brows as well. If you're not grooming them correctly, they don't, makeup won't make them look any better. Wow, this is really interesting stuff. Great tips. So where can my listeners find Besame Cosmetics or learn more about the line? Well, you can go to our website at besamecosmetics.com or you can come to our shop. We have a store in uh, Burbank at 3505 West Magnolia Boulevard in Burbank. And uh, we're open uh, Tuesday to Saturday from 12 to 6. Uh, and we have everything here. It's, uh, we give free consultations. If you want to stop and chat, we're welcome to do that. Uh, if you want some ideas on uh, period colors, uh, we have colors from every era here. So you can look through and see what color is going to fit your particular look or your dress. And we'd be happy to help you look through all of them. We have people that just kind of spend hours here just looking through and trying every color we have. <laughs> you know you're welcome to do that uh that's the only way that you see what works and what doesn't work you know uh you really have to try it on and experiment and uh and see that you like the texture that you like how it feels and a lot of times people aren't used to wearing reds uh we make obviously a lot of reds because period makeup really had a lot of red in it so we make a lot of reds so uh you really have to look carefully which one it is that is going to flatter your complexion and we can guide you to that, and you can see the difference between one and another. Um, and uh, that's what we do for bridal. Uh, we also have great pinks and roses from the 50s. If you wanted to go that direction, we have colors for those eras as well. But, yeah, you're welcome to come to the shop anytime. And, uh, or online, you can see all the products that we currently have available uh, and check us out there. That's great. And then for my listeners who are across the rest of the country, I believe your line is carried on several websites and in various boutiques. 
Yes, if you go to our website, besamecosmetics.com, and look under uh, stores, you will see that there's a locator button, and uh, you can uh, put in your zip code, and it'll tell you what shops uh, you have around you that carry our product, and you can find us there. All right, this is great stuff. Well, Gabriella, thank you so much for taking the time to share all these wonderful tips and great historical information. I think you've offered a lot of great things for people who want to do a retro look or they just want to have a little bit of a retro feel for a modern look. And I appreciate your taking the time. My pleasure, anytime. That's our show for today. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the Disney Wedding Podcast on iTunes so that others will find it. You can also send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at disneyweddingpodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show's website. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Passporter's Disney Weddings and Honeymoons Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at passporter.com weddings.asp or in print at Passporter.com and Amazon.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.